Hi, welcome to part two of our college football show. While there are no top 25 matchups on the late slate, there are a couple of great rivalries in week eight of college football. Tennessee will travel to Alabama's Bryant Denny Stadium on Saturday for an SEC clash. The Alabama Crimson Tide are on a 14-game winning streak in the rivalry and will aim to keep it going after a 49-9 hammering of Mississippi last time out. There will also be a couple of intriguing games in Indiana. Ohio State looks to remain perfect in the Big Ten against the troubled Indiana Hoosiers. The Buckeyes are big favorites over an Indiana team that has not gotten it together since 2021. And you can throw out the records when USC meets Notre Dame in their annual clash. The Trojans are having a down year and will be looking for a coach after the season. The Fighting Irish have only lost to Cincinnati and will be looking for a fourth straight win over the Trojans. Our team will fill you in on all the action coming up, so stick around because week eight of college football is here and we've got you covered. Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show. It is week eight. It is part two. It's time to discuss the afternoon and the evening slate. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Gentlemen, we have a fun slate of games to discuss today. Not a huge monster matchup this week, but we do have a lot of intriguing games, and we have got a lot to discuss today. So let me go ahead and introduce our experts. On the left, we have Kyle Hunter. He is our award-winning professional handicapper. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Kyle, how much fun was it to actually watch some midweek Wednesday night football last night with Coastal and App State? Oh, it was great, man. Um, a great game. You know, a tremendous game. It's nice when they're uh, really good games instead of blowouts. So, and Wednesday, we usually don't get too many of those Wednesday games. So that was nice. You got that right. Before we get into Max season, of course, it's uh, it's rare to find that Wednesday, you know, weeknight game. But it was a lot of fun. Intriguing that it was App State's first win over a ranked team since 2007. I could not believe that. So it's uh, it's strange to see it. But they have built a brand for themselves, for sure. On the left side, we got Parker Fleming. You can find him online, of course, on the web, cfb-graphs.com. That is the place where you can find all of his stats and information, etc. cetera. Uh, Parker, of course, you can find him at Stats of War. He's our analytical guru, our numbers guy. Parker. We did have a question in the chat already. Uh, Tommy Drake came in and asked, hey, before the show starts, can someone tell me what this EPA is that the bearded dude is always saying stands for? Uh, so let's let's do a quick refresher course for everybody because we're now eight weeks into this. Uh, let's tell everybody about EPA and, and some of these stats that we always talk about. Yeah, that's one. My brand is so great that it's like, what's this nerdy thing the bearded guy's talking about? That's wonderful. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, so so EPA, Gary, is one of my favorite stats. It's it's um, a way to kind of get another level of context on top of something like yards per play. So yards per play is pretty informative, again, because, you know, if a team's averaging nine yards per play, they're really good. And if a team's averaging two yards per play, they're really bad. EPA solves a problem, though, that all yards are not created equal. If you get three yards on first and 10, that's bad. If you get three yards on third and one, that's great. And so what EPA does is it translates yards to points in context and it um, attaches a point value 
to every single play. And so that lets me see how much did you increase the probability that you score your expected points on every play. So what we do is we have a little model. We run some math. I didn't invent it. I have my own flavor of it, but uh, it's a common idea. And all it does is say based on down distance, uh, yard line, game situation, game script, how likely is it that you're going to score before the play? And then how likely is it you're going to score after the play is over? And then I just compare those two, and that tells me how often you improved your value. So it's like a, a combination of efficiency and explosiveness all wrapped up in one. EPA, expected points added, just a way to get a little bit more context on top of yards per play um, and, and, and tell us kind of based on game state, how well are you performing? I do a lot of early downs EPA, specifically because EPA is going to be high on third downs, right? If you convert a third down, you greatly increase your chance of scoring. And so sometimes it's a little less informative if you factor in the third downs. That's why I'll talk about early downs EPA uh, on, on first and second down. If you have any more questions about that, I could talk about that forever. Uh, Tommy, whoever, come find me on Twitter, hit the DMs, whatever. Let's let's chat about the nerdy stuff there. Uh, but that's what that's kind of generally what EPA is. I like it. I like it. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Stats of War. Uh, Robert S. is in. Tommy's in. Jerry Scruggs jumps in. By far the best analysis and insight for picking the games. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> and we certainly appreciate you guys being here. Uh, go ahead and remind everybody, go ahead and like the video for us. That certainly helps us out every single time out. Uh, it helps toss us up that YouTube algorithm. However that stuff works, we don't know. We are just here talking into a camera. That's what we do. Uh, but like the video, make sure and subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. And I'll go ahead and tell you, it's every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time and every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And, uh, and yes, we have a lot of fun with the chat and everything else. So if you guys want to jump into the chat, we have a Q&A that pops up at the end of the show. After we've gone through the games where we find value or the most intriguing games of the week, uh, we will do a Q&A, so if there's any game that we have not hit on today uh, that you would like for us to discuss, you can jump into the chat with that. You can also go back and check out the Wednesday show. That one has been archived for you, and you can see what games we hit there. Those are the early slate games, and Thursday is the late slate game. So with that said, uh, make sure and comment, share the show out, tell us your picks. We want to know what you guys are picking this week. Uh, maybe you can help us out with some winners. I certainly need it after last week. I'll just go ahead and say that. Uh, so share the show out, tell your friends, and make sure that you sign up at BetUS, where the game begins. You go over to the website, BetUS.com, and you use the promo code NCAAF2021. It's going to give you a 125% sign-up bonus, up to $2,500. And gentlemen, it is sportsbook exclusive. All of that bonus is going to go towards betting on the games. We've still got a long season to go. We're in week eight. We got 15 weeks of this and a bowl season to hit on. We've got a lot of football left, so make sure that you jump in on this deal and take advantage of it. Of course, there's also NFL. We're starting the NBA season. You can check out all of the other channels that we have for BetUS, NBA, NHL, uh, soccer, NFL, etc. Just check it all out. I'm telling you, fantastic stuff. We've built a great crew over here, so take advantage of that. With that said, let's go ahead and dive into the recap, what we have done thus far on the season so that you can see we try and be as transparent as possible. So far this season, I'm not great. Parker's not great. Kyle is killing it. But we are getting there. We are getting there. Overall, our total, 77 wins, 67 losses, and four pushes. Let's go through round by round. I am sitting at 25 wins, 23 losses, and two pushes. Kyle, 23 wins and 14 losses. And Parker, 29 wins, 30 losses, and two pushes. Uh, last week, bad week for me. 
great week for the other two guys. It's always nice when at least two of us are profitable because it brings the whole show up. So I will apologize for my part last week, uh, but the other two have nothing to apologize for because they are killing it. We are right at that time of the year where everything is starting to jive together. So hopefully this week we're going to get us some winners, and we will start off right now with the first game of the evening here. Our 7 p.m. Eastern time kick, Tennessee heads to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to take on the Tide. Alabama, a 25-point home favorite, total of 67 last year. Alabama won this game 48-17. to However, that was a way better Alabama team and a completely different Tennessee team. Tennessee at the time was coached by Jeremy Pruitt. There has been a lot going on in that situation, uh, but this is not the show for that. So we will talk about the actual game here. The unders have hit in the last two, and those were totals of 66 and a half and 62 and a half. Tennessee one and four against the spread in their last five against Alabama, Alabama nine and one against the spread of their last 10 as a home favorite. And some of those have been monster, monster numbers. Uh, Tennessee one and three against the spread as a dog under Heupel for whatever reason. When they go up against bigger competition, uh, the offense does not gel quite as well. But when they have weaker teams that they're playing, Missouri, South Carolina, et cetera, uh, they can put up points in a hurry, in a hurry. Uh, there are a lot of question marks this week. Tyon Evans, uh, Hendon Hooker, both questionable. Uh, two offensive linemen are questionable as well. There's a lot of issues going on around that. Who's going to play? Who's not? Who knows what to make of this? Kyle, I want to get you in here first. Uh, this seems like a game that, Typically, you would stay away from not knowing who is actually going to play quarterback or if the the leading rusher on the team is going to be out. Uh, but is there any value on either side in this, or do you see any value with the total? Yeah, I mean, uh, Hendon Hooker banged up Tennessee limits the offense quite a bit. I think he's really been a big upgrade. So the question is, are we going to get Hendon Hooker playing uh, less than 100%? Are we going to get Milton playing, which I think is a pretty big downgrade? Uh, you know, they, I think they clearly want to run the football here, does Tennessee. Bama's strength defensively has been stopping the run so far this year. They've been really good against the run, 10th in yards per carry allowed so far this season. The defensive line has played really well. Uh, Bama's only allowed seven plays of 30 yards or more this season, so they've done a really good job preventing those big plays. I think that's important in a game like this because Tennessee has been able to rack up a lot of big running plays here this year. I don't think they'll get as many of those especially with the injury situation and with Bama's defense playing like that. Alabama was more run-heavy last week. It went pretty well for them there against Mississippi State, and I, I think they probably want to run the football a lot again here. Uh, play at their slow tempo. Bama's 97th out of 130 teams in the country in pace of play, and this Tennessee defense has been better than I expected so far this year. Uh, that's, the, that's the thing about the Volunteers that I was a bit wrong about so far this year, 47th in success rate allowed, 27th in yards per play allowed. So uh, pretty impressive for me, especially since they play so fast. You wonder if their defense would get gassed out a little bit. They played very well. This is a really high total where uh, both teams are not playing that fast. You know, you, you have a, a Bama team that doesn't play fast, a Tennessee team that plays really fast, but a Tennessee offense with major question marks and a Bama defense that's pretty good. Usually you see an upper 60s total. Both teams are playing really fast, or you have two amazing offenses. I don't think that's the case here, so I don't have any lean to the side, but I do lean to the under in this one. I, I tend to agree with you. Parker, let's go ahead and get you in here. Uh, not knowing who's going to play, how much of an impact does that make on this Josh Heupel team? Well, I think it makes a lot because Tennessee's offense, uh, 34th in the nation in EPA, uh, is sixth 
in rushing and 81st in passing. And so um, they've been able to get a lot of value on the ground. If you have a running back out, if you have a quarterback who can move with his legs out, that's really going to limit what you can do on offense against uh, a, a defense that's going to take away basically whatever you try and do against them. Um, and so I'm not optimistic about Tennessee's offense here. I do understand the reasons for the under, and I like that. And I do think a lot of that is Tennessee's inability to consistently score um, co combined with what Kyle said about pace. One thing that really stands out to me in this game is Tennessee's defense on the aggregate is 74th in EPA per play. That's really bad. Um, they're 78th against the pass, 79th against the rush, but they are 26th in early downs EPA. So the exact point that I was just saying earlier about value, well, third downs are a lot more valuable. And so Tennessee is 110th on third and fourth down success defense, allowing 48.5% of uh, conversions there. That is going to give Alabama the ability to experiment, to clean up when they um, make mistakes early on, to extend drives. And so that's really worrisome to me. I think Tennessee's early downs defense is pretty good, but the fact that they've either not had the interior personnel, had some kind of play calling issue, or just have had some bad luck consistently on late downs really makes me worried that Alabama is going to be able to string together long drives, even if they can't get explosive, even if they can't get downfield for whatever reason. I think this will be run heavy. I think Alabama will be happy to um, uh, kind of, quote unquote, establish the run and, and, and take a win here and move on, um, especially with Tennessee's offensive worries. Um, the under being more likely and it being 25 is a whole lot of points. And so I don't have an official play here, but I definitely would lean towards Alabama uh, covering. Everything that you just said certainly leans to the under for me. Uh, this is an Alabama team that is totally fine with just running the football and getting out of town, right? At the way that their schedule is set up, they have a bye week next week before LSU. And this is one of those where it's don't get anybody hurt. Don't go crazy scoring, all that good stuff. They're going to play a lot of guys late if they get a big lead early. I fully expect an under here, so I'm going to make it an official play. Uh, the total is 67, and it just seems like too many points. Too many points to me, and I can understand it because of pace of play from Tennessee, why the number might be there. But let's, let's make it official. I am going to roll Alabama under 67. Alabama, Tennessee under 67. Uh, just too many points. Too many points. I expect a lot of running. Uh, I expect a moving clock. How's that? Uh, the games have been rather quick for Alabama this season. I expect nothing less here. So that moves us into another game involving a team from Alabama, South Alabama, heading to Louisiana Monroe. And my goodness, the Warhawks with a massive upset over Liberty. Uh, just, just bananas to think about with a backup quarterback, no less. Malik Willis throwing interceptions all over the place. But that's not who we're talking about. We're going to talk about the Jags, a 13-and-a-half-point road favorite. Total of 51 here. There is a lot to like about this South Alabama team. They won this game last year, 38-14. to 14. Uh, The unders in this matchup, by the way, have hit three straight seasons. Uh, and that, that has a lot to do with South Alabama just not letting Louisiana Monroe score. South Alabama 5-2 and two against the spread against ULM since 2012. South Alabama, uh, two and two against the spread as a favorite this season. So a little inconsistency there, uh, but every single offense and defensive metric here points to USA. I, there's, there's not a lot, uh, excuse me, not a lot to love about ULM at playing with the backup quarterback, the offensive coordinator, Rich Rodriguez's son, uh, was hospitalized after a hit a few weeks ago. He's still not back playing, uh, but the team is improved. They've got three wins on the season. Their their win total is one and a half, so they've already you know blown past that. 
Terry Bowden and Rich Rodriguez, pretty good coaching combination. Two guys that know what they're doing, but the team is still not great. It's not a good roster, and South Alabama has been insanely impressive. Uh, Parker, uh, you seem to really like one side on this, so let's go ahead and get you in. Tell me your thoughts on the Jags here. I really like what South Alabama has been able to do the last couple of weeks, getting Jalen Tolbert going. Um, the, the receiver, obviously, a big name coming in. They have Jake Bentley there at quarterback, and it seems like, hey, that's going to be a big connection. First four uh, four games or so, that really was underwhelming. They didn't get him the ball very much, and he didn't get his first touchdown until week uh, game four of the six games that they've played. But in the last two games, he's been really, really good. Til- Tolbert. Uh, on, on 59 targets is averaging 19.9 yards per reception. I think that he is a weapon that is going to make um, a team like Louisiana Monroe have to double and adjust on defense, which is going to free up some other elements of uh, South Alabama's offense here. So I want to do note as well, last week, uh, that, that win against Liberty was extremely weird, mostly in the fact that Liberty had first and uh, 10 inside the ULM 35 three times came away with zero points. So um, definitely more of a fluke for, for Louisiana Monroe. And that's what's fun about college football last week. But I do think that South Alabama's offense um, as a unit overall might be as competitive uh, as, as as Liberty's, if not more so with Tolbert on the edge there. They're 17th in EPA per pass, 35th in EPA rush. On the other hand, Louisiana Monroe's defense, 101st overall, not very good at, at anything. Um, uh, also, one thing that South Alabama is really good at, speaking of those kind of first downs inside the 40, they're fourth at points per quality possession, 5.58. They are not kicking field goals, fellas. They are they are scoring touchdowns, uh, pulling the trigger, and, and ULM is 101st, allowing 4.74. So plenty of opportunities for South Alabama to score. That offense is really humming after a 40-point performance last week. And I do think they'll be able to get Jalen Tolbert the ball, keep him keep him rolling. And I, I think they should cover these two-score uh, spread very easy. I, I tend to agree with you. We do have uh, somebody that does not agree in the comments. Jerry Scruggs says, ULM's win against Liberty, big momentum boost. I saw their coaching staff. I believe in Bowden and Rich Rod. Wouldn't be surprised to see another home upset this weekend. Uh, I will tell you, Jerry, I would be surprised. So I'm, I like Parker's pick here. Let's go ahead and make it official. Uh, this is... I mean, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. South Alabama minus 13 and a half is the way that Parker's rolling. Kyle and I are both going to pass on it. Before we move to the next game, Kyle, I got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed that you didn't jump in there uh, because I bet a total and you didn't say a word about it. (laughs) No, no, no. I was being too nice, Gary. I really wanted to shout out Let's Go really loud, but uh, I was just being too polite. Uh, Next time, next time. We, we have talked about this, you know, off the air several times about me taking a total. There's not a lot of them that I love because I could see games going whichever direction. And I know betting the under is not always uh, the fun thing to do, but it, it makes perfect sense for me in this Alabama-Tennessee game. So let's, uh, let's move on to another game where uh, there might be points galore, and that would be Western Kentucky at Florida International. And FIU, a 15-point home underdog, total of 77 here. Lots of points. Last year, Western Kentucky won this game 38-21. to It was one of only two games that Western Kentucky actually put up 30 points last season. Their offense was not able to get going, and yet they were able to score frequently against FIU. Western Kentucky 6-3 and three against the spread their last nine against FIU. Uh, the Hilltoppers are 4-2 and two against the spread this year. FIU is 2-4. and four. Western Kentucky, number 10 in offensive points per drive. Um, FIU is number 116 
in that situation. I mean, just <laughs> it's a complete mismatch here. Uh, on the other side, FIU is number 98 in offensive points per drive. Western Kentucky, number 127 in defensive points per drive. That should tell you everything that you need to know about this matchup. Kyle, I want to bring you in here first uh, because I am expecting points here at, all across the board. FIU's offense, not great, but, you know, eh, offense against a bad defense, I, I see points here. Yeah, I think there's going to be a bunch of points in this game. I'll take the over 77 in this one. These two teams, 102nd and 117th in yards per play allowed, 112th and 123rd in success rate allowed. Look, last two weeks, FIU has allowed 9.4 yards per play and 58 points against Florida Atlantic, and then 45 points to Charlotte last week. Now, guys, does that sound like a team that's going to stop Bailey Zapp in uh, Western Kentucky? It, it certainly doesn't to me. Um, I Western Kentucky team total over, probably a good play here as well. Um, I know you guys like the side in this one. I, I certainly would lean toward Western Kentucky here, thinking that they're just going to put up so many points it's hard to keep up with. I will say FIU's offense has been kind of sneaky sneaky good here of late. Uh, Max Bortenschlager, I had to get a reference into Max. Uh, <laughs> tremendous name. Stunning uh, 24 plays of 30 yards or more so far this year. And Bordenschlager is, is taking shots downfield consistently. There's probably a joke in there somewhere. But an A dot of 14.1 on the year, 14.1 yards. Uh, this guy is really throwing it deep a lot. Uh, it, two teams playing very fast, second and 27th in the nation. And um, highest percentage of offensive snaps being a pass play. So the clock's going to stop a lot more often here if they have an incomplete pass. I really do like the over here. I lean Western Kentucky as well. The Hilltoppers are 25th in yards per play margin. FIU is 63rd, despite playing a much easier schedule, a very easy schedule. So, um, you know, I would think Western Kentucky puts up a massive number here and FIU scores enough. I like the over. And that is one of the biggest things about this, the strength of schedule. Uh, Western Kentucky has played undefeated UTSA. They've played multiple Big Ten teams. Uh, it, it seems... It seems like this downgrade in competition might be welcome for the Hilltoppers. Parker, uh, Bailey Zapp should have a ton of success against this defense for FIU. You feel the same? Yeah, definitely. They're 124th in EPA per pass. And one thing that I that I like specifically about this matchup, not only can Bailey Zapp sling it, and not only does Florida International not get a lot of pressure, but Florida International has gotten killed when a team has had more than one consistent option on offense. So if you look at Charlotte last week, they had two guys with you know six targets uh, against Florida Atlantic. I think they gave 50 yards receiving to four different receivers. Um, and Western Kentucky right now receiving has four receivers with 30 plus targets. So there are multiple options here, which really when you when you kind of get this asymmetry and you get to these lower levels of um, lower levels is not what I mean. Um, maybe not as um, developed talent that's out there, you really are going to isolate some guys if you can have a second option on offense. And so I think that Western Kentucky will be prolific. My model actually has Florida International covering very close. Their, their passing offense is good. Kyle, I admire so much that you just went for the last name. I was going to call him Max B and let it roll. But um, I, I really, you know, they're, they're 29th in EPA per pass, which again, with the schedule asymmetry, tells me more about their consistency than their quality, right? And so I think that Florida International can throw the ball a little bit, but I do not. Uh, and Western Kentucky's defense is certainly nothing to write home about. But overwhelming advantage to Western Kentucky's offense and the schedule asymmetry, even accounting for that in some of these stats, I do think that Florida International is a little bit inflated in my ratings. And so uh, I'm going to um, 
I'm going to go ahead and take Western Kentucky to, to, to cover again here. I think that they've got a really good thing going. I think as the season goes, their competition gets way worse, and they're going to be able to uh, put up some big numbers and be pretty fun down the stretch. I, I fully agree, and we are going to go ahead and make it official because I think Bailey Zapp is going to throw all over them. I expect Western Kentucky to be significantly more consistent than FIU in this spot. Uh, again, a welcome downgrade in competition. Sometimes that can sting you. I don't believe it does here. Uh, I feel that Western Kentucky probably would have gotten stung by Old Dominion last week as opposed to in this spot. So we have all got a pick on this one. Parker is going to ride with the minus 15 with the Hilltoppers. I am going to do the same, and Kyle likes the over 77. You want to watch a fun ball game at night, 7 p.m. Eastern time kick? Make sure and watch this one because there will be points galore. I expect a fun, explosive football game. That moves us into another game that is the complete opposite of this. We have San Diego State, the Aztecs, going to Air Force, and Air Force a three-and-a-half-point home favorite, juiced at minus 105. The total of 39 here, guys, these two have not played since 2018. San Diego State won that one 21 to 17. San Diego State has won eight straight in this series. San Diego State seven and two against the spread of their last nine against Air Force. However, only one and two in the last three. Uh, San Diego State four and one against the spread of their last five as a dog. They are three and two straight up. So three outright winners in their last five as an underdog. Uh, if this was played last week, I fully believe that San Diego State would have actually been a two-point favorite, uh, but their their lack of showing up on the road at San Jose State on last Friday, uh, Air Force looked good and went over Boise. I there's a lot there's a lot going on here. Two teams that love to run the football, love to run the football. Parker, I want to start off with you here. Uh, again, completely different game. This looks much more like an NFL game where every half point matters a little bit. Uh, not as easy to get in uh, the same way that you would with Western Kentucky and and Florida International, right? Uh, these two teams, great at running the football. San Diego State, great at stopping the run. I expect very few points here. Like we said, total of 39. What are your thoughts on this one, Parker? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Air Force rushing on 89% of early downs. That's eighth in the nation. And uh, and 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 San Diego State at 65.2. So so definitely some rushing heavy. Um, you know, when we, we have that, we uh, when we have teams that like to rush a lot and they look at their passing efficiency, we have to realize they're probably not passing a lot because they're bad at it, right? So, um, for for example, on on offense with San Diego State here, 42nd in EPA per rush, 127th in EPA per pass. That's why they're rushing a lot is because they're not very good at the pass. On the flip side. Uh, Air Force is rushing a lot because that's what they do, and they're 18th overall in EPA, uh, excuse me, EPA per rush. They're 11th in EPA pass. Um, Hazik Daniels has been able to get a downfield strike, and I think that's what Air Force is going to need to change this game. This is going to be a rock fight. It's going to be gritty, and if you're betting Air Force here, you believe that in a in a blow-for-blow blow match, Air Force is going to be able to find that downfield strike. Hazik Daniels has had 100 passing yards twice this season. Um, against Boise, he had 59. Again, just connecting on a couple key plays there for them. And so if Air Force can move the ball well on offense, rushing the ball, and, and somehow find a way to exploit San Diego State over the top, I think that they should come away with a win here. That being said, um, I do think San Diego State will rebound a little bit, and I do think that the, the slowness of this game favors San Diego State's defense. They're second overall in EPA margin on or in EPA per play on defense. So very high quality. Obviously, the offense has some soul searching to do, but Air Force is a good team to do that against just because um, you know what you're going to get with with that defense. Now, Kyle, I want to talk to you about the uh, the total here. 39 seems 
insanely low. But when you look at the pace of play for these teams, uh, one, I don't know that it necessarily points to either side, but is there any kind of value with a total this low? So uh, you probably know what I'm going to say here. 39 is just so low. I, I have to pass on the total. I, I want to bet the under. You know, if they could give me a 42 here, I would have taken the under, and that would have been my official pick here, certainly. Uh, I think this would be a low-scoring game, though. And, uh, you know, the question is, uh, does the Air Force connect on a couple of those passes, like Parker said? Because they can throw it a little bit. Um, I think they probably need to try to throw it a little bit more here against the San Diego State defense. It's first in the nation in yards per carry allowed. Um, look, you know, Air Force is defensively 11th in success rate allowed. I think uh, it's fair to question who they've played so far as far as offenses. But, I mean, San Diego State's not a very good offense either. They're going to need to get running the football here with Bell and company because, you know, I was kind of thinking when I watched these San Diego State games, it's been a long time since they've had a decent quarterback. You know, this is a really long time. If they just had a decent quarterback, they'd be pretty tough. Um, this is San Diego State team that is really, really good defensively. I did want to say, I mentioned this one earlier in the season. I know a couple of viewers mentioned that they like this angle, so I wanted to bring it up since this one fits. Underdogs of 3 to 14 points with a total of 48 points or lower. 561 and 435 against the spread. That's 56.3% over a 15-year sample size. So San Diego State fits this. Gary, I'd take San Diego State if I had to take something here in this one, uh, even more than I would want to take the under, just because, as you said earlier, points really at a premium in this game. I could see this being a very close game to the end. Oh, I, I fully agree, and, I mean, it's going to be my official play here. Uh, Air Force, number 74 in standard down uh, line yards allowed. That ain't great, especially against a team that can run the football uh, much the way that San Diego State does. And Air Force number 90 in EPA per rush. Uh, Parker, I mean, like you talked about, this is an interesting game, a very interesting game. And I trust San Diego State in this spot because this fits right into their wheelhouse. Uh, Air Force can surprise some teams with uh, with those passing plays. They can surprise some teams with the running plays. Uh, you ain't going to do that against uh, against the Aztecs. I just don't buy it. So this will be my official play. Let's move to the official pick. And I am rolling San Diego State plus three and a half. I I am fully, fully bought in on the Aztecs here. They made a coaching, not a coaching change, excuse me, a quarterback change uh, this week from everything that I have read, or at least they are expected to. Um, so I, I would expect they're moving to a better guy after last week. Uh, but we shall see. We shall see. I think it all depends on the running game for the Aztecs there. Let me go ahead and remind everybody, like the video. I, I see... Uh, 16 likes and and many, many more that are watching. So go ahead and hit that like button for us. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel and hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. If for whatever reason you forget, it's on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time and Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. But in case you forget, you hit that notification bell, it's going to actually alert you and tell you, hey, you need to come in and check out the boys. We need to see what's going on with football this week. Uh, jump into the chat for the Q&A at the end of the show. We've got several questions already. Uh, we will be hitting on Nevada and Fresno State. Robert S. jumped in with that from yesterday. Um, but, yes, jump in with any other games that you would like for us to discuss. And, of course, you can check out yesterday's show as well. It has been archived. You can find it over on the channel. Gentlemen, the big ABC night game a rematch from last season for what was a fairly interesting game. It got close late. Ohio State heads to Bloomington, Indiana, 
and the Hoosiers are a 21-point home dog, total of 60-and-a-half. Ohio State won this game 42-35 to last year and led 35-7 to at the half. And their secondary did not look good in the second half, the Buckeyes. Uh, Ohio State 2-8 and against the spread in their last 10 against Indiana. Indiana is 0-5 against the number this year against FBS competition. Uh, Ohio State's defensive weakness here is the secondary. And Indiana cannot take advantage of it. Indiana has only scored 21 points total in their three Big Ten games this year. Now, the competition does matter. They have played some pretty stout defenses, defenses that I would personally say are better than Ohio State. However, that does not leave us away from the idea that Indiana cannot score. They just they make it look painful. It's, it's hard to score on anybody for them for whatever reason. I don't know that we have a status update on Michael Penix. I think that he might play this weekend. Uh, let me go ahead and start with you, Kyle, on this one. I, I don't know what to make of the quarterback situation, but I don't believe either quarterback is fully capable of trading points with Ohio State here. Yeah, I, I don't know if Penix is going to play in this game or not. I know Tuttle and McCauley uh, both saw some action. McCauley kind of a uh, runner more for Indiana. Uh, I think that if even if Penix plays, though, he's been pretty bad this year. You know, that offensive line is very bad. And Parker has talked about, and he can do it better than I can, uh, Penix under pressure, not a good thing. Ohio State's defensive line is pretty good. I think they can get pressure on him here. Ohio State's offense is elite. This this offense is tremendous. C.J. Stroud has gotten much better here throughout the course of the season. 8.55 yards per play so far this year. And I think it's important to have some context, too. This is not them running it up against teams like Akron or something, because Ohio State's averaging 8.93 yards per play in the Big Ten. Uh, those three games there. So uh, Henderson's a beast at running back. Tremendous. Uh, really strong offensive line. And I think that one thing that a lot of people overlook about Ohio State is their wide receivers. Obviously, they're very good at catching, but they're really good blockers. Uh, Brian Hartline does a tremendous job with Ohio State's wide receivers, very underrated assistant coach. Uh, I think Ohio State's defense has looked better in their last couple games against Rutgers and Maryland. I still don't trust them against really good offenses. Uh, Indiana's not a good offense, though. So uh, the question is, do we think Indiana can keep up? Because Ohio State's going to score points here. Their offense is too good. And, you know, I am confident Ohio State will score quite a few. I'm not confident Indiana can keep pace. I think it's kind of ironic that the guy wearing the Buckeyes gear is not making an, an Ohio State pick. Obviously, I'm rooting for Ohio State. I'll be rooting for you guys in this one. I do think Ohio State minus the points is the lean I would have here. Um, you know, the total is really difficult because Ohio State plays quick, should be able to score quite a few. Can Indiana score enough to get it over this high of a total? I'd have to pass on that total. It totally makes sense. Totally makes sense because you can't count on Indiana there at all. Um, Ohio State, as you mentioned, has no problem scoring. Let's put some numbers to it here. Ohio State is number three in net points per drive. Indiana is number 105. It is a stark, stark difference. Parker, uh, you and I both big on the Buckeyes this week. Uh, we do have somebody that's jumped in and said that Ohio State is now 21 and a half. Look, I, I kind of continue, or I, I believe that it will continue to move in that direction. Uh, Parker, give me your thoughts on on the Buckeyes and the Hoosiers. Yeah, I think that Ohio State's offense uh, has really clicked. And I don't know that we, Gary, have a good way to understand kind of at what point of the season uh, an offense actually clicks and at what point of the season we should throw out some some early struggles. 
I think we're getting close there with uh, Ohio State because it's not like they were bad early on, but they have just been absolutely insane. And yes, you have to opponent adjust that, but even opponent adjusting for that, they're still just running through, um, running through teams. I have uh, Ohio State as the second team in EPA per mar- EPA per play margin, second on offense, forty third on on defense. Everything they do well, they they I mean they they do very excellently. Passing defense is a little bit of a concern. They've given up a couple big plays, but. Um, uh, most of that is not kind of explosiveness. It's, you know, we don't run our assignments. We've gotten beat and we recover well. 81st in EPA per pass, but 93rd in passing success rate. So it's not like they're getting, you know, these huge explosive shots every once in so often. And so with Ty Freifogel for Indiana, that might be a hope. Hey, maybe we can chuck a prayer and let our go, our, our big athletic wide receiver go get one. But, um, Generally, I think that Ohio State's defense is going to overwhelm a bad Indiana offense, and Ohio State's offense um, scores just ruthlessly. Third in quality possession rate, third in points per quality possession, and that's even being 78th in starting field position on offense. So they have long drives. They don't care. They're scoring. I think Ohio State um, understands the value of getting reps, getting ramped up. Um, the, the The one thing that did make me kind of think of this twice is just that Ohio State has Penn State next weekend. And so perhaps they're they're saying, hey, let's let's get as many, you know, let's score a little bit early and then let's walk away so that nobody gets hurt. We don't put too much on film. But I don't think that that's Ohio State's MO under Ryan Day. I think that they want to go practice what they're good at, know what they're good at, and just kind of overwhelm an opponent. So I, I love Ohio State in this spot. I think on Sunday I liked it at, you know, 18 and a half and it's moved up to 21 and a half. Uh, as long as that kind of stays this side of 24, I'd feel good about it. There are still a lot of players on the Buckeyes team that remember somewhat of the disrespect that was tossed their way from the Hoosiers last year. Uh, Per the original Big Ten standings, Indiana would have been given a spot in the Big Ten title game because of the way that everything shook down with Ohio State not being able to play in uh, enough games in the season last year. It was a shortened season. They started late, all that good stuff. Um, But, of course, they changed the rules. They allowed Ohio State in. Of course, Ohio State goes to the playoff, to the national title game, et cetera. And Indiana did not get that opportunity. But it was a close game last year. I do think that that motivation plays a little bit into this. And I expect points galore from the Buckeyes and not a whole lot from the Hoosiers. Uh, So let's make it a uh, a play here, an official play. Uh, another, Another stat that I wanted to bring up right quick. Uh, skill players are insanely explosive for Ohio State. They are number four in the country in 10 and 20 yard plays uh, from scrimmage. So just just absurd. You're going to see a lot in this game. Parker likes Ohio State minus 21. I like Ohio State minus 21. And yes, if the line is at 21 and a half, Parker, you still good with the 21 and a half? Yeah, I, I take it. I, I, anything this side of 24, I think I'd bet in this situation. That's where I am. That's where I am. My line was 25 on it, so I, I will certainly yeah. go that way. And uh, and Kyle is going to pass on this one, and I can totally understand it. I have been in your shoes, my friend. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's go ahead and move on. We have got uh, a game in the ACC that might be pointsy as well. Georgia Tech heading to Virginia, and the Hoos are a seven-point Favorite at home, total of 63 and a half. Virginia last played Georgia Tech in 2019. Virginia won that one 33 to 28. Uh, UVA, three and two against the spread, their last five against Georgia Tech. So no real trend pointing this direction. Georgia Tech coming off of a bye. Um, but I will tell you, gentlemen, that ain't helping that secondary. Uh, they are they are not great this year. Virginia and Brennan Armstrong should be able to throw all over them. Uh, the Jackets offense, to me, not very consistent. You know, I... Kyle, I want to get you in here first because 
there are some teams in college football that are just so volatile that I can't touch them week in and week out. I know which way I feel like I would lean on this game. Uh, tell me your thoughts on the Yellow Jackets and uh, and the Who's here. Yeah, Georgia Tech's a tough team to figure out. You know, some of these weeks they'll have a good showing, other weeks just really bad. You know, the the thing that stands out to me about this game is Brennan Armstrong has really been excellent so far this year. You look down through the PFF grades. Um, in quarterbacks with more than 100 dropbacks so far this year, three quarterbacks have a higher PFF grade than Brennan Armstrong. Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, and Bryce Young. Uh, Armstrong is one spot ahead of Matt Corral. Uh, amazing stuff. Really impressive. Uh, an ADOT of 11.4 so far this year. This Virginia offense is really clicking extremely well. I don't think Georgia Tech's secondary is set up to defend this very well either. Um, the clear weakness of the Georgia Tech defense is their secondary, 92nd in pass play success rate and 103rd in opponent QBR. So Virginia is not going to be afraid to throw it around in this game. 62.7% of their plays have been passes so far this year. They've definitely changed their scheme here of late to throw the ball around more. They're fifth in the country in highest percentage of plays being a pass. The Virginia defense is giving up 6.04 yards per play. Uh, Georgia Tech is inconsistent offensively, and that does uh, make me a bit nervous about this one. But they did have a bye week to get ready for this game, and Virginia has a fairly weak defense. So uh, with the the explosiveness that both have shown, both teams rank in the top 25 in the nation, offensive explosiveness. Both teams play fairly quickly as well. So um, I hate that this total has moved up a little bit, but I'm still going to take it to the over here. Uh, I think Virginia is going to score quite a few, and I think Georgia Tech will score enough in this one to get us over the total. I can totally see that. It, it makes perfect sense. Uh, Parker, again, the volatility from Georgia Tech. Uh, Jeff Collins, I think, at some point has to get this team to a point of consistency. They're not there yet. Uh, but if you're going to roll with the side here, I, I fully trust in Brennan Armstrong. I mean, he seems to do this week in and week out. Uh, you kind of feel the same way, right? Yeah, I really like what they're able to do on offense there. They're really creative, um, uh, and and you know a lot of uh, they're not afraid to run a double pass and and you know back and forth here and there. Um, I think that generally when Georgia Tech has been able to have a close game, uh, you know Northern Illinois, Clemson. Uh, they, what they've been able to do is play a bad offense and kind of limit them. Any any competent offense that they've they've played have been um, a little bit tough uh, overall. Even North like North Carolina had a um, you know has some issues on the on the line and with with having multiple options. But here, uh, Brendan Armstrong is really really competent. He's really um, consistent, and I do like their athletes on the edge here versus Georgia Tech. Um, the, the the breakdown for me really comes uh, you know offense. Georgia Tech's offense is bad. Virginia Tech's or Virginia's offense is bad. That's the 61st or nah, I'm all over the place. The 98th <laughs> unit Georgia Tech's offense versus the 109th unit in EPA per play uh, on offense defense there. But on the other side of the ball, Virginia's offense is 15th in EPA per play. They're 17th in success rate, eight in passing success rate. Again, football is a game of opportunity, right, guys? And so if they're going to be able to consistently move the ball, the best way to get a big play is to have a lot of opportunities to get a big play and to have a lot of opportunities to get your fast receivers against a bad secondary moving with the ball in space. Uh, I go back to the Steve Sarkeesian quote all the time. Jalen Waddle and I are the same speed if we're standing still. But Virginia has a good idea of how to get their guys in space, they'll force missed tackles. I think they'll break a couple big passing plays. I like the seven points here um, just because I don't believe that Georgia Tech will be able to stop them or come close to um, 
uh, matching them them on offense here. What Bronco Mendenhall has done with that offense has been uh, revolutionary. I mean, just re- it, a couple of years ago with uh, who was it? Bryce Hall, I believe, was the quarterback at the time. Um, they were not this on offense. And now just a couple of years later, they are explosive. They are fast. They play all kinds of trick plays, et cetera. They, they find ways to get their guys in a position to score points. And it has been incredible to see the transition. So let's move to the official plays. I don't like it, so I'm going to stay away from it. But but Parker is going to roll with the minus seven for Virginia. And Kyle likes the over 63 and a half. Uh, both, I think, expect points. And I'm going to cheer for that. Anytime we can get more touchdowns on the board, I am a fan of it. So this will be on one of my side TVs watching to see when the explosions happen, and I will be ready for them. Moving on to the Pac-12. Utah just rolling lately. They are playing Oregon State. And the Beavers, a three-point underdog at home, total of 57. Oregon State uh, coming off of a bye here. Utah won this game last year 30-24. to Utah has won five straight against them. They are two and three against the spread, though, in those games. Uh, but I don't believe any of the lines have been this. Utah 3-0 and straight up since switching to Cam Rising at quarterback. Uh, this team is finally looking like what I thought they would in the preseason. Uh, it, it took a little time. It, you know, Charlie Brewer is out, all that. I, I am a fan of Utah. I am not a fan of going to Corvallis. So that's nothing against Corvallis. It's just really difficult to play there for whatever reason. So let's go ahead and start off with Parker on this one. Um, Utah, you know, they have been rolling the last three weeks, and their offense is clicking. And because the offense is clicking, the defense has actually looked better. Uh, numbers kind of telling the same thing. Yeah, so I, I think that um, if you filter out the last couple of weeks, Utah looks exactly like you said, like a Kyle Whittingham team. Granted, they have played three straight games. Granted, they uh, that, that have been um, uh, impressive, but they've all been, uh, you know, Washington State, Arizona um, State, both at home. And so I wonder about their home road splits here. That's one reason I stayed away from it. I certainly lean Utah, and I certainly lean Utah after they've gotten um, the idea of um, – one man's trash being another man's treasure with with Charlie Brewer and, and figuring out what they're doing at quarterback there. Uh, but they're 33rd in EPA per play margin. Uh, they're, they're not excellent on either side of the ball, which, again, exactly the hallmark of a Utah team. 52nd on offense. That's much improved the last couple of weeks. 30th on, in defense. Oregon State on the other side. Jonathan Smith, what he's been able to do with Chance Nolan at quarterback is just um, awesome. He's innovative. They're fun to watch. 25th on offense. But their defense is really lacking behind. 86th in EPA per play and 95 first against the rush, which is what Utah is going to be able to do pretty handily against them. If this game were um, at Utah, I think I would have no problem betting on Utah. I'm just intrigued by their home road splits here. And you're right, Corvallis is weird. So I think I'm staying away from it, but I but I do have a pretty, a pretty decent lean towards Utah. Um, just just because I do think the last couple of weeks there, they have been a lot better. It, it does make sense. Uh, Utah's front seven only giving up 3.2 yards per play uh, in their last three games. I, I would imagine that they will slow down B.J. Baylor in that running game. Uh, to me, you know, Kyle, I kind of think that this is going to come down to Chance Nolan being able to do something in the passing game, right? Because their offense has been predicated on the running game. I don't know that you're going to have that much success against this Utah defensive line. Uh, give me your thoughts on uh, on this game here. 
Yeah, Utah's defensive line was surprisingly bad earlier in the season, but they've really come into their own here of late. Uh, usually we can count on them being able to stuff the run, and that's what they've done here lately, giving up the 3.2 yards per carry in their three Pac-12 conference games. And, you know, some of those teams they played against in those three games pretty good at running the football. So, you know, I think uh, Chance Nolan has done a good job here, certainly better than I would have expected. He is kind of a game manager, to be fair. You know, he, he has done a good job in that system. I think Jonathan Smith's a tremendous head coach. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out here Heavy rain, a lot of rain in the Northwest this weekend, some flood advisories, things like that. Rain and winds of 10 to 15 miles per hour. I think that could affect a game like this because if both teams become more predictable that they have to run the football in the rain, I think that really helps the under. Uh, both of these defenses, I think, could key in on the run game here more than what you would expect. I think Utah's offense has certainly been better under Cam Rising. There's still a team that doesn't take a bunch of uh, chances, a lot of deep shots. And and I think that um, the tempo here should be fairly slow. Oregon State, 100th in the nation in tempo. Utah, 63rd. Uh, both teams have actually played slower in their recent games as well. That's something that I kind of tend to track quite a bit is recency and tempo. Uh, both of these defenses have been really good at preventing big plays. Utah has allowed 23 plays of 20 yards or more so far this year. And Oregon State has allowed 22 plays of 20 yards or more. That's both in the top 25 in the country. A lot of 20s in there. But, um, you know, I think this is going to be a, a lower scoring game sitting at uh, 57 for the total. So, you know, we're not, we're not talking about an under 40 or something here. We're talking about under 57, which is a an average to slightly higher than average total in college football. Uh, give me the, the rain, the little bit of wind going on. I think two conservative offenses. I have to take the under here. That totally makes sense. Let's go ahead and make it official. Kyle is going to roll with the under 57 here, and and I like the play. I like the play, especially with the rain. I will tell you, I did not have a clue that it was going to rain. I love that you bring up these weather reports in here because there are times that I just forget to look at it. Uh, but it does play a major, major factor in whether or not there will be points scored, uh, and I, I certainly like it here. We have got two more games to cover. Let me go ahead and remind everybody to like the video for us and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Jump into the chat. We've got several more. Robert jumped in, said emotional year for Utah. They find a way to get the win here. Uh, I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, West Virginia heads to TCU, and the Horned Frogs are a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home, juiced at minus 115. The total, another one at 57 points. West Virginia won this game last year 24-6, to and the Mountaineers are 7-1 and one against the spread. Their last eight against TCU. They have won three straight outright. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. We know that TCU can score here. Uh, but what I'm curious about is whether or not Letty Brown in that rushing game for West Virginia can get going against a weak TCU run defense. Uh, TCU, Parker, I'm still one of your numbers here. TCU number 124 in EPA per rush defense. Uh, Letty Brown in West Virginia's running game has basically disappeared. They have less than 100 yards total in three straight games. They're averaging 2.7 yards per run in the last three games. Like, I love Neil Brown, but I don't know what has happened to his offense in Morgantown. I have no idea. Kyle, I want to start off with you first. I, I don't know what to make of West Virginia. This seems like one of those matchup spots where, you know, we had Purdue that has won four out of five against Iowa and nobody expected it. But here we are, same situation, and West Virginia has had a lot of success against TCU with Neil Brown as their coach. 
but the numbers do not add up. What uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I'm really surprised at how bad West Virginia's offense has been. I don't think any of us thought that they were going to be tremendous, but at the same time, you know, 2.67 yards per carry in their Big 12 games. Letty Brown, I still think he's a pretty good runner. Uh, I think it's probably more of an offensive line issue than anything else. Um, you know, I have to bring up Jarrett Daigie and his struggles so far this year. Uh, Jarrett Daigie, 157th in the country in offensive grade among uh, quarterbacks at PFF. Look, um, he's behind guys like Jack Cohn and Brendan Lewis from Colorado. So um, West Virginia, can they take advantage of uh, TCU's bad defense? And, you know, I have to say, T- TCU is just completely the opposite of what you would think of them. You know, the defensive numbers are really hard to believe. 123rd in yards per play allowed, 124th in defensive success rate. Patterson's defenses were so much better for a really long time, and their offense has been tremendous this year. I imagine TCU fans are thinking if they had only had an offense like that this a few years ago, uh, imagine how good that team could have been because they had really good defenses year after year and played so many of those low-scoring games. Guys, that uh, 2018 Cheese at Bowls seems so long ago at this point, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, it, it's so much different for TCU. Um, I have no strong lean on this game. I'm going to defer to Parker, who knows a lot about the TCU program. Parker. At Max Duggan is so underappreciated, it is it's almost criminal at this point. <laughs> the yeah, man puts and, up and, yardage and totals and, and and touchdowns every week. Every week, tell me about the Horn Frogs. And and they're so talented on offense right now. The 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 the, the trio of Max Max Duggan, Quentin Johnston, and and Zach Evans. They are just obviously able to find ways to to move the ball. And and that's something that you know I I've been saying all along because Max Duggan started back in you know 2019. He wasn't good. He shouldn't have started. He's a development guy. In college football, you develop. This is the first time that TCU has had a quarterback with a full off season. Uh, returning starter with a full offseason since Kenny Hill in 2017. So the offense, uh, you know, looks a lot better. They are third in EPA per play. They've they've really found ways. Uh, you know, Zach Evans so explosive on offense in the run game. Quinton Johnston last week kind of coming alive. They're figuring out ways to get him. Quinton Johnston against Oklahoma, 185 yards on seven receptions, 26.4 average, three touchdowns, and maybe one of the best highlights of the year. Um, at least uh, absolutely of the week and maybe of the year. Be sure to go find that one. Um, so so I won't spend a ton of time on this just because I could ramble. TCU's offense is good enough to score against West Virginia. West Virginia, 81st in EPA per play, 93rd in EPA um, per play margin, 81st on defense. So I really think that TCU is going to be able to score. They've shown that they can keep up with people. The rushing defense is is interesting, and that's what I think will be kind of the deciding factor in the game for TCU. I have TCU's defense 124th in EPA per rush, but West Virginia is is just insistent on throwing the ball, even though they're not doing it well. They're they're throwing the ball, uh, or they're rushing the ball on only 42.9% of early downs. So, oh, they're, they're rushing a lot of third downs. I think that's why, actually, Letty Brown has struggled and their run game has struggled. That's a unit I thought would be really good. Letty Brown is one in five of his rushes come on third downs, and he's averaged distance of 8.1. That's when they're rushing him. Um, so that's that's a real hard situation. I think TCU should score here. West Virginia has given up a bunch of points to to uh, just basically anyone and everyone this this year. And their one Power Five win, really, really they got some help with with two goal line stands there. They they probably should have lost that and probably by multiple points to Virginia Tech. So I'm not optimistic about either side of the ball for Virginia Tech. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they change their habits to get Letty Brown going. But four and a half here, I just don't think West Virginia is going to be able to score enough to keep up with TCU. 
I, I tend to agree. Let's go ahead and make it official. And Parker is going to ride with TCU minus four and a half. Uh, it looks like a good pick to me. I'm going to stay away from it because of, you know, the inconsistency. Now, all of college football is inconsistent, but who knows what to make of this, right? Uh, West Virginia has won three straight. Uh, it doesn't look like they should be able to compete in this. Who knows? But per the numbers, it makes absolute perfect sense, Parker's pick here. Uh, so I will be pulling for him on Saturday night. We have got one more big game to discuss, and we talk about inconsistency. Let's go ahead and dive into that one. USC on the road in South Bend at Notre Dame and the Fighting Irish, a six-and-a-half-point home favorite, juiced at minus 120 here, and the total, 57-and-a-half. A A lot of these 57s hanging around. Uh, Notre Dame won this in 2019. They did not play last year, you know, per conference rules and shortened season, whatever. Uh, But Notre Dame won this 30-27 to two years ago. USC four and two against the spread, their last six against Notre Dame. And USC uh, has won seven straight on the road dating back to 2019. They have covered four straight on the road. For whatever reason, they get out of California and they seem to play better. But I got a lot of question marks here. I mean, I got, I don't even know which way to go first. Uh, Jack Cohn or Tyler Buckner. Uh, and even if you do start one, the other one is probably going to get in at some point. Who do you trust? Keaton Slovis is going to be the quarterback for USC. Jackson Dart still not medically cleared. Um, you know, what is the motivation for USC with new interim head coach Dante Williams? I, I don't know what to make of any of these. I mean, I'm looking at all kinds of numbers. I don't know what to make of any of this. I tend to lean Notre Dame because I trust them more. Parker, let's start off with you. Uh, the Fighting Irish continue to find ways to win week in, week out, the number two team in the country per the AP poll is the only team that has beaten them this season. They don't lose all that often. I, I would kind of expect the same here, uh, but give me your thoughts on on the Irish and the Trojans. Yeah, definitely. If we were talking about money line, would be all in on, on Notre Dame here. But I, I really think that the key for me and why I'm nervous about this spread and, and it being seven, um, USC is not good at either side of the ball, right? They're only 55th on offense and they're 113th on defense. It's not even like they have an elite unit. Um, Notre Dame on the other side, uh, other hand, 106th on offense, can't can't really score, but they're 13th on defense. They can at least make this a rock fight. So when we get in games that are close like this, it's going to be decided by who gets that kind of random big play. Um, both teams are pretty good in, in, in field position. Um, USC's had some issue allowing a high starting field position on, on defense, but generally I'm expecting um, not as much nonsense from this game. And so you look at, you know, who USC has the wide re- at the wide receiver position, and if they can just find a way to get guys the ball, uh, they, they might be able to break off a big play here and there. And so that's where the spread gets a little, you know, a little dicey for me. Um, generally, if we look at a couple a couple key stats that stand out, defensive success rate, Notre Dame is 17th, and USC is um, very consistent on offense. So they're actually sixth on offensive success rate. They are taking what they can get. That's not opponent adjusted, of course, but USC is saying we're just going to take our little chunks when we can and haven't shown that explosive ceiling. So if Notre Dame can shut down that success rate, I do think that they should be able to win comfortably, but it just depends on, you know, if, if USC can continue to get opportunity, maybe they have the athletes to create a big play that Notre Dame hasn't faced this this season. The thing that terrifies me, Kyle, I'm going to get you in here momentarily. The LSU-Florida game from last week, there was no reason to believe that LSU could win that ball game per the numbers, and it's kind of the same. There are some things that point USC here, but not a ton. 
it's just that USC has a ton of talent that if for whatever reason it gels that weekend, they can beat almost anybody. Uh, Kyle, I I don't know if you've got a lean here. I don't feel very strongly about this game one way or the other. Uh, but give me give me your thoughts on the Trojans and the Irish here. So, yeah, I think it's um, really interesting. Like Parker said, that USC is sixth in success rate on offense, and they're 115th in offensive explosiveness. This also is something that you wouldn't expect from a USC team. We've seen so many of their teams with the really good wide receivers, the great quarterbacks that can get that deep play. You know, I've been disappointed by Keaton Slovis. You know, a couple of years ago, I thought he was going to be a superstar. I still kind of think that Slovis is a good quarterback and even would have a chance in the NFL. Um, maybe the system hasn't been as good to him as what uh, you would have thought. Uh, Slovis, you know, 48th in PFF passing grade, so he hasn't done badly. It's just, you know, I expected much better out of him. I would have thought he was going to be a top 15 or 20 quarterback in the country. Notre Dame is 18th in success rate defense, so it's definitely going to be a test for USC's offense. And they're also 40th in explosiveness allowed on defense. So Notre Dame's defense certainly has been very good all throughout the season. The Notre Dame offense, 124th in yards per carry, just an awful 2.77 yards per carry. It's hard to believe they've been that bad. They have some real talent in the backfield. Uh, the offensive line hasn't been very good, obviously. The USC run defense hasn't been terrible, but the USC pass defense is really, really bad. Um, 127th in pass play success rate allowed. They're 95th in coverage grade at PFF and 106th in tackling grade at PFF. So I think this defense hasn't been very well coached. You know, there's enough talent. They should be better than this. You know, do I really trust Notre Dame to take advantage of the really bad secondary? And I can't decide the answer on that. You know, <laughs> this one, you're either taking, uh, you know, minus six and a half, minus 120. Uh, don't love taking juice like that. You know, you, you better like it quite a bit if you're laying minus 120 long run because it's going to be harder to win. Um, I, I hate to lay a touchdown with a bad offense like Notre Dame's. But I'm not interested in, U in USC either. So kind of like Gary said, would it stun me if USC wins outright? It certainly wouldn't. Uh, will it st stun me if Notre Dame wins by 28 points? It really won't. And that kind of variance is what keeps me away from games. It totally, totally makes sense. So with that said, we are all three going to pass on this game. I don't see a ton of value. Uh, and really, none of us sees a ton of value here. But it will be one of those games that we talked about yesterday. Go back and watch the Wednesday show where this can be something that helps us learn going forward about what these teams actually are. We are still somewhat young in the season. This can be another data point to help us out going forward, uh, and we are going to take advantage of that. We are just going to watch on the sidelines. However, we want to know your pick on the game. Maybe you can lean us one way or the other if you have a pick on it. Uh, a lot of guys in the chat, make sure and jump in with your comments on this video. We would love to see who you're picking, not only in this game, but in all of the other ones as well. Uh, and we try and be, you know, uh, somewhat active in the uh, in the comments as well. With that said, let's uh, let's jump and do some Q&A. All right, we've got a few questions here. Uh, Steven wants to know our opinions on South Carolina at Texas A&M right quick before we jump into uh, Nevada and Fresno. Um, I will tell you this. I, I think that A&M has found whatever it is that they were looking for. I don't think they are having to rely on Zach Calzada here. And I think they will be able to run the ball on South Carolina. Luke Doty out for the season now. So they are going to be rolling with Zeb Noland, who has been impressive against poor competition, but otherwise has not been able to put up a ton of points. I don't expect him to be able to put up a ton of points against Texas A&M. A&M at home, I would expect them to be able to uh, to cover this line. 
but it's not something I feel strongly about. The line is 19 and a half currently. Kyle Parker, either one of y'all feel strongly about this one? South Carolina's defense is good, but that's too many points. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not in. I don't have a play on this one. I think that it's two good defenses, but also South Carolina is way worse against the rush in the pass. Uh, we need an Isaiah Spiller game. It's time. I'll say that. That's what I'll say about this game is Isaiah Spiller needs to have one. Yes. Yes, I agree. Kyle, uh, what, what are your thoughts yeah. here? You know, um, South Carolina was really fortunate to beat Vanderbilt last week. That was a game that really went down to the wire. I don't trust South Carolina's offense to be able to move it against Texas A&M. So, uh, you know, I, I can't bet South Carolina here. It'd be Texas A&M or pass for me. It totally makes sense. Uh, several other questions. You know, let's go ahead and, and dive into Nevada at Fresno State. Uh, Fresno minus three and a half at home, a total of 63 and a half. Uh, I want to ask both of you about this one because I have had uh, quite a time. My my line on this was Nevada minus one. However, at digging into some of the numbers, I, I kind of like Fresno a little bit at home, but I, I don't know what to make of it. it, it Kyle, do you have any anything that might lean me one way or the other on Nevada and Fresno State. Yeah, I, I kind of would want to take Fresno in this one, but you see a line of uh, three and a half pretty much now, and I, that's that's pretty expensive. You know, we 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 know that Fresno State is a well-coached team. Uh, I think they're very good offensively, probably a little bit better defensively than most people think. Uh, you know, just kind of looking at the numbers here, Nevada, one of the things that they've done really well plus nine turnover margin, plus 11 sack margin. I don't know how much uh, they're able to keep up that kind of success. Yards per play margin, uh, Fresno State 1.65 uh, plus 1.65 yards per play, and Nevada 1.13. And actually Fresno and Nevada have played the 107th and 108th strength of schedule. So, you know, very similar uh, schedules there. So, Gary, I tend to agree with you that I, I would lean toward taking Fresno State when I look at this game some. Uh, I just am afraid that the line's just not cheap enough for me to do it here. It totally makes sense. Parker, uh, any numbers that, that would lean one way or the other? Yeah, so my initial thought in this game is like, oh, Carson Strong in Nevada. Look, man, they've got the upside. They'll be able to move the ball. Um, Carson Strong and Jake Hayner, Fresno State's quarterback, they're the same guy this year. Uh 67.8% completion for Hayner, 67.5 for Carson Strong. Average depth, average depth of target for Hayner is 6.5. For Carson Strong, it's 6.2. Adjusted completion percentage, 75% to 74.8. <laughs> uh, the quarterback advantage that I thought was going to be there is not necessarily manifesting. That's obviously more due to context of the teams. Um, well, what, what I would be encouraged about Fresno State here, again, Kyle said, with with, with the hook, I'm, I'm nervous about that, three and a half, but um, their offensive success rate is high and Nevada's defense is really bad. 107th in success rate, 38th against the pass. Uh, Fresno hasn't run the ball well, but they've run the ball consistently 62nd in, in rushing success rate. So, um, in a game that should be very pass heavy, uh, I wonder if, if, if Fresno doesn't try and zig a little bit where Nevada zags and try and get some rushing success to slow this game down, uh, make possessions count and, and move the ball consistently. But, um, I don't, I don't have a play. I do, I do lean towards Fresno state at home. Um, but yeah, the, the number is a little, a little wonky for me. It's uh, the reason my line was sitting at Nevada minus one here, uh, Nevada number 27 in net points per drive and Fresno number 41 in that metric. Uh, but there are going to be points. And I think Fresno is somewhat capable against an air raid offense like that that Jay Norville has going on. I I just 
I don't feel strong enough about it to, to make a pick on it. So uh, we do have several more. Uh, let me put my ear to it. Asks FAU against Charlotte. Do we have a lean or anything on that one? Um, and I will tell you, like I, the number had gotten up to a certain point uh, where I was actually going to lean Charlotte, but FAU has actually actually been pretty good. It's it's sitting at seven. FAU minus seven on the road, uh, juiced even. And I. I still, I kind of like Charlotte. Like I love the, I love their wide receivers in this game a lot. Uh, but there's not a ton of numbers that point me in that direction. This may just be a bias for the the weeknight home underdog. Uh, so I, I'm gonna stay away from it. Um, but if this thing starts jumping up around game time on on Thursday night tonight, I I might would lean that direction. Uh, Kyle, you got a thought on on Florida Atlantic and Charlotte? You know, if I had to bet this game, I think I'd bet the over. Florida Atlantic's been playing pretty quick here, tempo-wise. Um, Charlotte's defense, not good. Um, I'd, I'd be curious if Parker has the the Charlotte defense uh, EPA numbers. I'm kind of curious about that, just because Charlotte is good offensively. They're efficient. They don't play very fast, but uh, they've given up a lot. You know, the aforementioned uh, Max Bortenschlager uh, looked really good against Charlotte. So, you know, this is this is something where I think Florida Atlantic can probably put up a decent amount of points. But I also think the Charlotte offense is pretty efficient. So I'll lean to the over in this one. Uh, Parker, I pulled up your numbers here. EPA per pass for Charlotte, uh, number 117. Does that sound about right? And then EPA for rush number. Yeah. I mean, their defense is bad. <laughs> That's not very good. Their offense is good, though. They're you know they're slinging a little bit. They're moving to eighth in EPA per pass. Yep. Um, not not necessarily passing a ton, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm very close to the spread on this one. And so if this moves, I don't know. I might keep it up this afternoon. If this moves, I might try and toss a few dollars here and there. But um, yeah, just the the spread was really close to my numbers on this one. And and Charlotte has been good at the pass, but Florida Atlantic's 24th in EPA pass defense. So I don't have a strong feeling. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Uh, Drake MMA asks, uh, he leans San Jose State tonight. Who do we like? San Jose State, four-point favorite on the road Thursday night at UNLV. Uh, I I don't feel strong about San Jose State one way or the other. They are insanely volatile. Don't know what's going on with the quarterback position. Uh, Parker, let me get your thoughts on this. San Jose State, you know, we, we bet against them last week. Um, and did that do anything to, you know, they covered against San Diego State. I don't know what that necessarily means when they go on the road to UNLV. Their defense is is serviceable. 26th in raw EPA per play on defense. So I think that they'll have a slight edge. Um, I I have uh, UNLV covering just on a line because San Jose State's offense is just real bad. And so I don't know that there's value in, in betting on that offense to be something that I think we all think it can be but that it is certainly not with any regularity. Um, 90th in EPA play margin, 112th EPA uh, offense there, um, and 121st in, in rushing EPA for, for San Jose State. So um, this one's going to be a rough game. Uh, I, I, I think that if you had to put money on it, I would, I would lean towards UNLV covering just because I think it's going to be pretty, pretty messy. It's at my line on it was actually uh, San Jose State minus three, and it's sitting at four. So, I mean, it's, too close, no play for me. Uh, Kyle, you got a thought on this one? Yeah, I I think if I had to bet it, I'd probably bet San Jose State here. But I, I'm not confident in San Jose State offense. Uh, I assume it's going to be Nash at quarterback again here in this one. I haven't really heard differently, but um, Nash is very inconsistent. He can make some really good passes uh, and also look very wild on some of the easy passes. So I, I wouldn't trust San Jose State very much. Uh, the, the total... 
I would have leaned to the under, but 44 is pretty low. So uh, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to sit out on this game. Uh, Jerry jumped in, said, do y'all see a great opportunity for UNLV to get their first win of the year? Uh, they've played so tough against teams like UTSA, Fresno, both on the road, should have beaten Utah State last week. Uh, that's what concerns me about it is they had a great shot against Utah State and gave it up at the end of the game. I, Utah State does not have nearly as good of a defense as San Jose State. So I, this is no play for me. This will be one that's a, a late night game on Thursday. I will be... I will have it on the TV as I'm working on notes leading into the weekend. I will say that. So let's uh, let's dive off the Q&A. You guys in the chat, we certainly appreciate it. Bruce, Drake, Jerry, all you guys, uh, we appreciate you guys jumping in with the questions. Let's dive into the recap. And Parker is going to lead us off here. South Alabama minus 13.5 is his play. Western Kentucky minus 15. Ohio State minus 21 on the road in Bloomington. Virginia minus 7 at home against Georgia Tech. And TCU minus four and a half at home against West Virginia. I am going to ride the under 67 in Alabama, Tennessee. I expect a lot of running and a moving clock here. Western Kentucky minus 15. Um, San Diego State plus three and a half on the road at Air Force. And I am also taking Ohio State minus 21. Kyle is going to take the over 77 in Western Kentucky and Florida International. He is going to take over 63 and a half in Georgia Tech, Virginia, and he is going to roll with the under 57 in Utah and Oregon State. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Good gracious. What a slate. What a card. Everything. I am excited about this weekend, gentlemen. Let me go ahead and remind everybody, hit that like button for us before we get out of here. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, and I will remind you all again, hit the notification bell. We go live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. And on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time, the early slate is going to be hit on Wednesday. The late slate will be hit on Thursday. This has been a fun season, and it will continue on. we got a lot of football left, so make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Make sure and comment in with your picks for this week's games. We want to hear what you have going on. We want to see your opinions. Uh, They mean a lot more than ours. I will tell you that. Uh, also, make sure and share out the show. Tell your friends, social media, all that good stuff. We are on Twitter. If you want to have a conversation with us, you can do it there. Or you can also reach out to us in the comment section because we pay attention. We see what's going on. So uh, let me go ahead and remind everybody again but to close this out. Sign up at BetUS, where the game begins. Go over to the website, BetUS.com, and you can use the promo code NCAAF2021, and it'll give you a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. I stress it every week because it is a phenomenal deal. So make sure you go and take advantage of it. There is a link in the description that you can just click on that. It's going to toss that promo code in there for you. You can sign up easy peasy. With that said, I don't believe there's anything else we need to hit on. If you guys want to keep chatting with us and whatnot, jump into the comment section, and that is going to wrap it up for this week. For BetUS, where the game begins, we will see you all again next Wednesday.